G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. Welcome to our final special episode on payments. Australia's entire payments infrastructure is about to go through a once-in-a-generation upgrade with something known as the New Payments Platform, or NPP. In a project led by the Reserve Bank, financial institutions across the nation will have access to a common platform for all sorts of new payments products and services. And in this payment special, we'll be speaking to the two individuals most responsible for bringing NPP to life. NPP Australia CEO Adri Loveney and Head of Swift Oceania Bill Doran. With them, we'll explore the revolutionary potential of this new payments platform. We've saved the best for last on This Week in Startups Australia's final payments special. Now, this is normally the point where I thank our sponsor, and I'll do that in just a minute. But in the interest of transparency, I want to share with you what's going on. Twista has a series-long sponsorship deal with Braintree Payments, and they asked us to do three specials about payments with no strings attached. And so Twista is free to tell the stories we want to tell about payments, because Braintree thinks it's important that we all think about payments a bit more, and I have to say, after having done these three episodes, I agree. Payments are important. So while we'll have a normal ad break on this show for Braintree Payments, this isn't advertorial. We aren't trying to sell you anything. Our goal is to help you learn a little bit more about payments. And now a big shout out to Braintree, Code for Easy Online Payments. They've made this show possible. Listeners might be surprised to learn that Australia has a payments infrastructure that hasn't significantly changed in a generation. The one that we have now is called the direct entry system. It was set up in the 1980s. Now, The thing about that is it basically puts Australia's payments infrastructure behind two of the biggest innovations of all time, the web and the smartphone. Now, at the time that that payments platform went into operation, the most exciting thing on the payments horizon was FPOS. And Australia is an FPOS nation today because of that payments platform. But all of that is about to change. And for this payment special, Twista is very lucky to have scored an interview with two of the people leading that change. Adrian Lovely is the CEO of NPP Australia, the company formed by the payments industry to build and operate the new payments platform. Joining Adrian is Bill Doran, head of Swift for Oceania. In addition, Bill led Swift's successful tender to build the new payments platform. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. All right, Adrian, let's start with the obvious question. What is the new payments platform? The new payments platform is a a, a brand new uh, piece of payments infrastructure that is being built by 13 organisations, including the Reserve Bank of Australia, to, um, uh, as you say, uh, generationally change the payments infrastructure that, that exists today. So if we, if, we, if we look at the shifts that are occurring at a, at a kind of broad level, we're going from a system that's open Monday to Friday to one that's open 24-7. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going from a batch-based system, so I do something now and you receive it tomorrow, mm-hmm. to one that is near real time. We're going from a system that is based on, a, on, a, on an old data standard where you've got give or take 22... Uh, alphanumeric characters and that's all you've got to one that is XML based uh, and open using a global uh, international standard. 
Um, uh, and then finally, we're going from a payment system that, that, that is by definition closed uh, and, and only a certain number of counterparties can play in that system to one that is much more open. So if we, if we look at the changes that are occurring uh, and you think about all of those in combination, mm -hmm. that will set up Australia's payment system for the digital economy. All right. So why do we need it now? Or, you know, is this something that is that we've needed for a while or is it something that we're looking forward a few years? So I, I, I think I'm not going to be too controversial if I say that Australia's that, that, that our journey into real time payments is lagging a little bit behind mm. some of the other developed economies. So, for example, the, the UK uh, implemented a, a, a real time payment system about nine years ago. Uh, but but what we are building, uh, I think, is generationally far in advance of, of any of the systems that exist around the world. A number of the characteristics that are contained within it uh, are, are ones that the UK faster payment system is currently looking to implement. So we're, we're leapfrogging, if you like. We were a little bit late to the party, mm. uh, but we're certainly leapfrogging many of the other systems that exist. And of course, that is the advantage of being late to the party. You get to learn from everyone else's both mistakes and triumphs and be able to adopt those. Absolutely. So... so Bill, this now becomes your bailiwick, right? Where you now have a definition for a system. But I wouldn't have thought of Swift as being the first go-to place. Yes, Swift is, for, for listeners who may not be aware, it's the way that banks send money to one another internationally. If you use a Swift code to move money from one bank to another. But people think of that as almost a glorified telex network where there are just sort of individual messages being sent over a wire from one bank to another, which seems almost like the opposite of what we're trying to do with the new payments platform. Yeah, but I think when people think of SWIFT, they think of payments. And uh, back in the 70s, you know, SWIFT was formulated to solve the problem of the telex, which you mentioned, mm. um, because it was quite manual. There were no standards. You know, the banks were developing computer systems. And they needed to be able to talk to each other in, in a common language. So SWIFT was formed to, to solve that problem. Um, so over the years, you know, we've developed other systems on top of that or mm -hmm. other uses of that um, investment, including real-time gross settlement. So that's a domestic payment system mm -hmm. that Australia uses, by the way, um, which is, as the name suggests, close to real-time. And that's sort of wholesale movement of funds between the banks settling in, in central bank money. So I don't think it's such a huge leap for SWIFT in terms of, Okay, well, this is the next evolution of, of payments and real-time payments are being adopted globally. Um, so we, we looked at Australia. It was a very good process for us to be involved in because it was very transparent. Um, the RBA had their innovation review and it allowed us to engage with the industry to seek guidance from our owners because we are a cooperative to see whether, you know, it doesn't make sense for SWIFT to be involved in this. And they gave us clear direction. Yes, you should be involved in this because... Well, because presumably what you learn here, you're going to be able to take back now to all of the other 160 or whatever nations that are that are SWIFT customers, right? Well, exactly. And, I mean, if you look at the, the, the users of, um, of the MPP or the participants, all bar one is an existing SWIFT user. So, you know, they've been making investments in, the, in this technology for many years. They're familiar with at least the connectivity footprint. Mm -hmm. um, we are the registration authority for the ISO 2022 standard, which is being used for MPP. Uh, okay, so, we'll step back and just unroll mm -hmm. that a little bit. You're the registration authority. I know what a registration authority is when it comes to, for instance, domain names on the internet. Yep. Is this something similar for the payments processor? Yeah, so I mean, we we are um, so the, the ISO standard. We don't own that as such. Right. There's a process for 
for um, you know issuing new standards into the to the ISO domain and getting approval for that. Yeah. But we are the registration authority who takes that and implements that implements the standard and documents it and uh, and it's used across our network as well. Um, that's sort of almost separate to our role as the registration authority. But we we have built up that expertise because we were built in the seventies to standardise payments, and it made sense for SWIFT to be a registration authority for ISO twenty oh two two. All right, so Adrian. We keep on using the word real time now or near real time. And does that mean, I understand it means around 15 seconds. Is that right? Uh, slightly less than that. So so at the upper limit, probably about 10 seconds. But, okay. but, but I imagine that many, many payments will occur much faster than that. What does that give us in terms of everyone who's connected to the payments network? Once payments start happening that quickly, how does that change things? Well, I, you know, I think that's one of the really interesting things about the MPP is that is that it, we, we don't really know, mm. um, and it's being built in a in a way, uh, and, and this is one of the uniquely Australian kind of aspects of, of what we're building. We're, we're separating the infrastructure from the product. Mm -hmm. Now, now, why why are we doing that? Um, we, we have a we're a nation of, of twenty five million people. Um, you know, we have a we have traditionally invented new payment schemes every time we wanted to do something slightly different. Right. So uh, you, you've referred to the direct entry system, which people use to get their wages and salaries paid and to, to receive dividend payments. Uh, you've talked about the FPOS system, mm -hmm. which is used at point of sale. Uh, many of your listeners will be familiar with the BPAY system, yeah. which people use to pay their bills. Uh, and Bill's talked about the real-time gross settlement system, which is used to transfer money between banks. Now. All four of those systems do slightly different things, right. but they are all, by and large, owned by the same group of organisations, and that's quite inefficient. So, uh, you know, w what the industry sought to do was to was to unbundle the the infrastructure. So we'll all collaborate together to build the infrastructure, build it once, build it for the next fifty years, right. and, and build it for the future. Uh, but then create a regulatory framework which enables new products to sit on top of that on top of that infrastructure, and those new products can be brought to the market by pretty much anybody. They don't have to be banks. Well, am I going to need a financial services license to bring those to market? No, no oh. you'll, you'll need to be an Australian company, right. relative, relatively good repute. And mm -hmm. be able to demonstrate how you're going to use the infrastructure to bring a new product to life. Uh, and there's a process that's set out in our regulations, mm -hmm. which explains how you can use the infrastructure to sit your product on top of. So, Bill, that means that you're building an infrastructure for applications that you don't know what they're going to be yet, right? I mean, it's kind of like building the Internet in the early 90s, which was being built before people really had a clear sense of how people were going to use it. So how does that then affect your own strategy for being able to do this if you don't kind of know how people are going to use it? Yeah, and I think from, in many ways MPP is a test case for SWIFT um, because we are a standardization organization. So we, you know, we don't want to do bespoke projects that are very specific to mm -hmm. one country. We clearly want to take a model um, and roll it out in other countries because, you know, our largest members are in, in all the countries of the world. So, mm -hmm. you know, sh we are in some ways guided by the industry and the, the specifics that they need here, but at the same time, keeping in mind how this could be reused in other countries. But it is, at, the, at this point in time, unclear in terms of, what the reuse will be in other countries because each country comes to it with their own requirements and, and you sort of enter into an RFP process that um, is driven by what that particular industry wants. So 
we sort of see our role trying is trying to influence those those other developments in other countries and we think we're the right vehicle to do that because we've done that in the past with RTGS and of course cross-border payments um, having the standard, the ISA 22 standard, which seems to be the default now for these these systems, that's a good starting position. But how do you get them to connect to each other so that you can have a real-time experience within Australia, but potentially link that to another real-time payment system as well? So we're, we're always thinking of how, how this can be replicated or at least extended into one or two or many other payment systems around the world as well. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia Payment Special. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Mark Pesci with a few words about Twista's special episode sponsors, Braintree, code for easy online payments. Entrepreneurs around the world have used Braintree as a simple way to accept PayPal and credit cards and debit cards and whatever's coming next. With a single scalable integration, you get robust fraud protection on over 130 currencies around the world, making your global expansion a snap. And using Braintree, that's as easy as integrating a few lines of code, getting your business up and running fast. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com slash twista. Hi, this is Mark Pesci, and we're back talking to Adrian Loveney and Bill Doran. Okay, so Adrian, you now have this brand new shiny system that Bill has handed off to you. You have, as you said, the four different kinds of payments that we use regularly in Australia. Do the people who create those payments immediately re-implement what they're doing as part of the NPP? Do they now sit on top of the NPP? No. Um, but 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 one of the participants, uh, BPay, mm-hmm. uh, is building the first product that will sit on top of these new set of rails. So it won't be BPay, it'll be something that's not BPay. Uh, it, it'll be uh, it'll be run by the organisation that runs BPay right. using some of their rule book uh, and, and some of their brand, uh, but, but it'll be a person-to-person uh, payment system okay. um, uh, that will enable you to send money uh, and some text uh, in near real time uh, using either a BSB and account number or using something like a mobile phone and an email address. So, so, so that's the kind of product that they're bringing to market, right. which will use uh, uh, elements uh, of, the, of the MPP. At some point in the future, BPay may decide to take one of their other products mm. uh, and to kind of plonk it on top of the MPP infrastructure. So, so I, I, use my, uh, I use BPay this morning to, mm. pay my, to pay my credit card bill. Um, but but I you know I know that that payment takes about 24 hours to arrive. Right. Uh, if I wanted to pay my Telstra bill or my credit card bill now at you know five to five, uh, then I could potentially use a new new service from BPay that allows me to pay my telephone bill instantly or right. my credit card bill at five minutes to midnight. So you can see that some of the existing services and propositions that are in the marketplace uh, might 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 take that functionality and drop it in a real-time environment. So, but then the other thing you're essentially saying here is that this is not, we're not going to be switching off the old payment systems no. for the new one. We're simply going to be adding a new payment system into the mix. Correct. Uh, you know, and we, we expect to see payment volumes change over time mm. and the MP, and, and, and they are changing over time. So right. contactless payments are going through the roof in Australia. Check payments are going down, for example. Right. Cash payments are 
decreasing generally. Well, and just today I saw statistics that internationally more was paid by credit card than was paid by cash this in 2016. They got yeah. the final numbers on that. So, so payment volumes will change over time as consumer preferences change. Mm-hmm. The NPP may accelerate or, or decrease some changes in those payment streams, but it's not intended to replace anything. What, you, what you'll generally see is a migration uh, of, of volume from one payment stream to another payment stream. So, for example, today... I might get paid my wages by direct entry, so my employer pays me today and the money appears in my account tomorrow, whereas for people that get paid uh, casual wages or who are a contractor, they might finish a shift, um, you know, at at a pizza company, and the money might be in their account instantly by the time, you know, they finish their shift. So... And I think Uber is actually starting to offer that in America, I think, to some of its drivers, so clearly... You get paid at the end of the shift. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so question for both of you now. I mean, I keep on hearing that you're building this open platform. Let's actually dive into that a little bit. What does that mean that it's an open platform? Yes, you're building to a standard, but what does that mean if, say, I'm an entrepreneur with a bright idea for a payments startup? What does that mean for me in terms of how I enter and how I think about the new payments platform? So in terms of openness, I think there are two levels. Firstly, the infrastructure is open. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, people can plug into the infrastructure um, if they're if they if they if they're an ADI or a regulated uh, financial institution they can plug in directly into the infrastructure mm-hmm. or uh, if they're if they don't have an ADI license they can plug in via somebody else okay. uh, and a, a fintech uh, could get access to uh, you know almost all of the bank accounts in Australia mm-hmm. through one connection point mm-hmm. so that's the first level of openness the second level is about the product level and so a fintech or any other organization that's got a great idea about wanting to use the the, the whole network as opposed to just plugging into it right. could use the could use the system to, to bring their idea to life so mm-hmm. there are those, those two levels of, of, of openness uh, ability to plug into the infrastructure to send and receive payments or ability to build a new product and Bill, does that change in that sense your design? Because you're not designing for just a limited number of like 20 banks or whatever it might be, but you're actually potentially designing for thousands of people who are going to be plugging into it. Um, not really. I mean, we, we're basically um, building a distributed switch with, with this design, um, meaning that uh, each of the participants, their entry point into the network comes with a piece of software that's delivered by ours that handles the orchestration of all the, all the payment messages in, in the network. So um, if a, you know, a, a fintech, which got some, um, some capital behind it, wanted mm-hmm. to actually join, join the network, mm-hmm. um, that decision is made by MPP. Mm-hmm. We are in a reseller mode where mm-hmm. we supply the, the, the kit, if you like, to that organization. And you don't, you don't care whether you're selling the kit to a fintech or to Combank. It doesn't really matter. Traditional Swift, we would because right. we have our own membership rules. But here we're entered into something very unique in Australia, a reseller model, whereby mm-hmm. our only customer is MPP Australia Limited, not the individual participants. So they decide who joins the network. We will give them what's called a Swift BIC. In, traditionally, that would have come with its own membership mm-hmm. rules. You needed to be a regulated entity, etc., um, and, and tick a whole number of boxes for joining Swift. That's out the window. Now we have a different agreement with um, with MPP Australia Limited. They decide who joins. We supply the the, the kit. If there's some specific requirements that that particular organization brings to the table that we've got this great idea but it's going to require some change then we're obviously engaged there to determine what the impact would be on that software and then help manage that program of rollout to to all of the participants who are affected by the change but otherwise it's really a decision for for mpp 
um, to make. But in terms of the actual technical solution, really there's an entry point in via some software that standardizes the way everyone communicates um, with a common standard um, and um, some central components that they can reuse like the addressing database um, and, and it's really up to them to use that combination of of, um, of uh, aspects of the MPP to come up with the, the, the idea and we, we just facilitate the entry onto the system. So Adrian, you have to think that most of the people or most of the incumbents who would be on MPP right now and are not really used to this idea that there may in fact be thousands of participants in the payments network. Do you spend a lot of time, I guess, soothing them and telling them it's going to be all right or are you helping to sort of push them into really taking the opportunity for that i uh, look cl clearly um you know there's a lot of interest from uh some banks about working with fintechs mm. um you know if, if you look at, at europe particularly um uh you know banks in europe accept that they don't have the the, the capital uh, or the, 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 the headspace, uh, or the ability, or the skills to try and meet all of their customers' needs. Right. Uh, but that's, so, you didn't describe an Australian bank there, though. That's the thing. Uh, <laughs> so, so, you know, the, the European banks are quite open about, right. about, about wanting to engage with fintechs in a partnership uh, that will uh, help them to meet their customers' needs beyond banking. Uh, you know, in much the same way that the that the iPhone, if you like, becomes a container mm. uh, for me to use a whole bunch of different applications that I use at different times, uh, and the many Australian banks are thinking the same way. Uh, you know, they'll move in in different ways uh, at different times. Um, you know, some of them will will enthusiastically partner with new fintechs, and others, you know, less so. But but the banking sector in Australia, I think, is 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 shifting. Uh, its focus and, and understanding that that the that, that, that a smart way of meeting their customers' needs is by partnering. All right. The question I haven't asked yet, which is kind of the important one, is when do we get all of this? When does NPP become a reality? So there's a reasonably extensive process of testing uh, that we need to do. Obviously, Sensibly, this is a this is a, an important piece of infrastructure, yep. and, and as Bill's referred to, and you've referred to, money is settled in real time. So if we get this wrong. Uh, you it's know, the bad. money can be out of an ATM machine and gone or, yeah. you know, three hops and out of the system. Yeah. Having said all of that, uh, you know, that all of that work is on track mm -hmm. uh, and we anticipate that the NPP will start to ramp up from October 2017. So from a consumer's point of view, Bill, will I start to see products and services that are built on this popping up and having, I guess, you know, having been you you sold them an entry point and someone's built a product and released it at the end of this year is that what we're sort of looking at now yeah i mean as far as the the initial launch is concerned mm. it will be a person to person system that'll be launched by each of the participants they'll probably have their own unique flavor in terms of the app and how you interact with that app with their banking app but the branding will be consistent in terms of the what the bpay is bringing to the to the to the table in so terms of a scheme if you like is this the first stop then is peer-to-peer -peer payments like a very broad peer-to-peer -peer payment system the first stop here in australia yes it is it is it's the, so the first product that consumers will see right. will be a person-to-person real-time payment system uh, which will which will uh, be and you'll have the ability to address that with a with a a, a, a more friendly uh, uh, identifier such as a mobile phone number or right. a, or a, or an email address or an Australian business number, 
Uh, the second service that people are likely to see is the ability to receive a document with a payment, so a PDF. So that might be a statement uh, uh-huh. or, a, or a receipt. Uh-huh. And the third service, which which is my favourite, uh, is a is a request to pay. So <laughs> I, I will I will send you yep. a, a request, an invoice. Uh, you, here's you owe me fifty bucks for yep. dinner last night, yep. and it'll pop up in in your phone, <laughs> and you can either either hit accept or decline, uh, and the money will come back. And I arbitrate, the, yeah. And I think the request to pay service is 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 a real game changer mm-hmm. uh, because. Um, it, 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 it provides functionality that doesn't exist today in the payment system. Well, peer-to-peer payments. I mean, I, I draw on the example of what happened in Kenya with M-Pesa, which was a peer-to-peer payment system, and now 60% of the Kenyan GDP at some level throws, flows through M-Pesa, and that's people sending text messages on their mobiles. There's nothing oh. even very fancy about it. And yet that's completely changed the Kenyan economy. Is there a chance that if I have you back at the end of 2019, right, so say almost three years from now, that you're going to be smiling because you've completely transformed the Australian economy with this? Well, we'll see. Um, uh, I think, um, you know, I think maybe a more relevant example might be in in kind of Sweden uh, Mm -hmm. and some of the Nordic countries where a similar service... I mean, I think Kenya... Uh, M-Pesa has a very particular context. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of physical branch infrastructure. Yeah. Oh, there's uh, none, yeah. A, and it's a, it's a, you know, it's a great service, yeah. but it's a different... And they don't have credit country. cards or any other payment absolutely. systems, absolutely. Um, you know, in Sweden, the Swiss payment service is experiencing, what, 15, 20% growth year on year. Right. So it's a very similar service. You can send money in kind of real time using an app. And everybody in that country refers to it as a swish payment. Swish payment. So every, it's just in the vocabulary of the uh, the average person there now. Right. So swish it to me, you know. So you can imagine a similar sort of process happening here in Australia. A bit like, you know, PayWave or PayPass right. today. That, uh, that, that yeah, Oz it to me or whatever it will be here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Adrian, Bill, thank you very much for filling us in on what's about to be a generational shift in payments. Thank you. Pleasure. Over these three episodes, we've taken a look at payments from several points of view. Spriggy and EasyShare, they showed us how startups can create new payment services, doing things that banks can't or won't do. Spaceship showed us that there's room to innovate even in something as staunchy as superannuation. And on this show, Adrian and Bill showed us that Australia is about to have a new payment platform innovation. And for a brief moment, Australia will be leading the world in the sophistication and capabilities of its new payments platform. That's a unique opportunity for entrepreneurs throughout the country. We can give birth to a new generation of fintech startups that can build their products here in Australia and then test them. And once SWIFT deploys their Australian payment solution around the world, those entrepreneurs can follow. So the next generation of payment services could come with an Aussie accent if we take advantage of this once-in-a-generation transition. Again, thanks to Braintree Payments for sponsoring this special episode. It's their support that made it possible. Thanks to Felix Wormuth and AnalogCabin.net for his hard work creating a podcast that's a joy to listen to. Thanks to Adrian Loveney and Bill Doran for taking the time to come on to our final payment special. This is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.